All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your church and the fact that you made us a part of it. And here we are gathered together, taking a break in the middle of the week to remember and to refocus, to be fed, encouraged, and helped to pray and to uh, rejoice before you. So help us tonight to grow, to learn, to add to uh, that base of knowledge of Christ so that we might be more like him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been doing a series, or I've been doing a series on Wednesday nights, dealing with various emotions. We've dealt with fear and love, and um, I don't even remember what else now, um, but several. And tonight we're going to take on another one. God invented emotions and called them good. And so we're not against emotions. Emotions are critical to us. Uh, I remember R.L. Debney had a book where uh, he's dealing with, one of the articles was dealing with what's primary, logic or emotion. And um, I think most of the Calvinists I know would come down on the logic side and Debney came down on the emotion side. And I think it's kind of splitting hairs. I think they're both required and necessary. Uh, But he said if you didn't have emotion, you'd never do anything. You would never move. You'd never take another step. You've got to want to do something. You have to see a need or feel, you have to perceive that something needs to be done. So on the one hand, I don't want a cake that's been baked purely by emotion. Probably wouldn't taste very good. I feel like I'll put some of this and some of that. And uh, on the other hand, anybody knows that a cake that's just made with logic isn't as good as one that's made with love. You need both. Life is both. We're, that's the way God made us. But just like our logic is broken because of sin, we don't think right, we don't see things as clearly as we should, we have strayed from the truth, and so we make mistakes, we get it wrong, even, even when we are trying to think through something. Likewise, our emotions are broken, and they go haywire, and they go too far one way or the other. And so again, we come back to the Bible to say, how should we think about these things? The thing itself is not the problem, it's the brokenness of the thing. And so what we want to do is see that emotion be brought under the Word of God, governed, regulated, directed, if you will, by God's Word. It's right when it's properly used according to the commandments and principles of Scripture. And so while every emotion is right per se, every emotion may be used wrongly. Emotional concern is the God-given ability to mobilize the forces of the body and the mind for the purposes of focusing upon and utilizing our energies to solve life's problems. But when we focus upon tomorrow, we cannot act upon the future. Rather than releasing bodily energy through productive activity, worry activates more and more energy uh, than is used, and we call that stress. We're worrying about things we have no control over, worrying about tomorrow, what might happen next, and so we get stressed about that. So don't... Let me ask you this, don't you wish it were possible for someone else to handle all your worries for you? 
That'd be nice, right? Well, the Bible says that that's possible. Indeed, God tells His children to cast all their cares upon Him because He cares for them. All of them. Throw them, just toss them. Just heave them over there into His lap. That's what He says to do with worry. He freely offers to take your worries and his cares, or your cares, upon himself. Because he does, and because he frequently has ordered us not to worry, therefore all worry is sin. You can even worry about being a good Christian, and that'd be a sin. That doesn't mean you don't have concerns. That doesn't mean you don't make plans. That doesn't mean you don't think about the future. But what it does mean is you don't worry about what you can't control. Um, We often don't think about worry as sin, but it's a sin because constantly in Scripture, God tells us not to worry. And when we disobey His Word, that is what? Sin. So what is worry all about? In the Bible, the word worry usually is translated anxiety or care. In the, uh, the Greek word in the New Testament means to divide, to part, to rip, or tear apart. The word describes the effect that worry has on us. I'm torn up. It's ripping me apart. That's what stress does, right? Um, That's what worry does to us. But worry itself is a concern for the future. Worry is concern about something that you can't do anything about and that you can't even be sure about. That's why it tears us apart. When we worry, we're looking off into the future, but we find that as we try to get a hold of it, we can't because the future isn't here yet. There's no way to grasp it. There's no way to lay a hold of it. And there's nothing to be done about it. And so the future is future, and the worrier can't control it. He's not even sure of what it'll look like. No one but God knows the future and its true shape. And so the worrier worries about what might happen. So what do we do about worry? Let's listen to Jesus. Matthew 6:31. Words of Jesus, quote, "Do not worry." We can go home now. That's it. Do not worry. But he doesn't leave the matter there. He goes on to explain how to overcome worry. Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, Jesus made it clear that worry focuses upon tomorrow. That's what's wrong with worry. It's the wrong perspective on life. I'm supposed to be looking at what's in front of me, not what's yet to come or might be yet to come or what I don't know is coming Jesus said that it's wrong to let tomorrow's possible problems tear you apart today. 
Today belongs to us. God hasn't given tomorrow to it. He hasn't given tomorrow to us today. He'll give it to us tomorrow, and then it'll be today. He strongly forbids us to become concerned about what might happen. Why? Whose hands is tomorrow in? His. So who do you trust? Him. That's why you cast your cares on Him. He does know tomorrow. He is in control of tomorrow. The tragic fact is that not only do we want what has been forbidden, that is, tomorrow, or for us to worry about tomorrow, we also fail to use what's been given to us today. So sometimes we're so worried about tomorrow or next week or next year that we fail to do what we're supposed to be doing today. And if we do what we're supposed to be doing today, we'd be ready for tomorrow. Now, Planning for tomorrow is okay, biblically. James 4, 3 through 16, Come now, you, uh, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So listen carefully to what Jesus has to say. James uses the example here of a traveling salesman. He continues, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Here you are, he observes, planning out your whole year's activities just as if you had control of the future just as if you knew all the circumstances and what they were going to be, just as if you had a clear picture of the year ahead. It reminds me, I was looking at um, some remarks I'm preparing for another situation, and I just backed up 100 years. Actually, I was looking at 1910, and the whole, if you'd have asked somebody in 1910, what, what's ahead? What's ahead in the next century? You couldn't even have begun, not even scratched the surface of predicting what was ahead. Not, and not only just for 100 years, but for the next 10 years. And so, the, so that's true for us today, right? We have no way of knowing that kind of stuff. And the Bible tells us you must not presume upon that. You must not do that. You don't even know what tomorrow is going to be like. You may wake up and find out that during the night an earthquake has smashed all of your plans. And by the way, there are lots of kinds of earthquakes. There's the real physical kind, but then there are personal earthquakes, right? Of all sorts. And they all come suddenly and unexpectedly. And not only do you not know what tomorrow will be like, you might not even see tomorrow. Thou fool, tonight, today, thy soul is required of thee. You're just, he says, James, a vapor, a wisp of steam. The thinnest kind of substance. It's there one moment and then poof, it's gone. And so you don't have any right to make plans that way. So how can we plan? And James supplies the answer to that question. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, and by the way, I don't think you have to be wooden in this. I don't think you have to literally, every time you say, I'm going to 
go to the store tomorrow, I don't think you have to literally add the words, if the Lord wills. But you do need to understand that it is if the Lord wills. Um, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Don't be bragging about what it is you're going to do when you're not so sure you're going to do it at all. Now you see the difference. James says that you must plan. You can't avoid planning, but you must plan without worry. Because he acts as if he holds the future in the palm of his hand, the worrier is arrogant. That's what he's worried about. I don't know if I'll be able to control this situation. And he'd be right. James says you must plan in such a way that you lay your plans before God. And you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. We're committing tomorrow to you. We're going to cast our cares upon you. We're going to trust you. We've trusted you every day up to now. We're going to trust you for tomorrow. Now, three, three steps here in defeating worry. We'll wrap up with this. Now, so it's important to plug in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. In this passage, Paul gives the formula for solving the problem of worry in three steps here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. or Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So step one, pray with thanksgiving. Romans 8.32, He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Matthew 6. 32 and 33, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So when we go before God and we begin by thanking him, thanking him for what we have, thanking him for how he's cared for us, how he is powerful and sovereign, how he's wise and He loves us. What are we doing? We're giving back to God. We're reminding God, as it were, to use kind of the biblical concept of remembrance, uh, of reciting back the truth, confessing the truth, agreeing with God that God is good and powerful and all these things. And who else is being reminded when we do that? We are. Thank you, Lord. The reason I'm praying right now is because you're bigger than me, and you're wiser than me, and more powerful than me, and all these things, and I'm remembering that by saying it back to you. Therefore, now I'm going to make a request. i got a situation, Lord. 
happened at work today. I got a situation in my family. I got a situation over here. And I'm tempted to worry about it. It's scary. I'm, I, I confess that I'm tempted to uh, have anxiety over this. But you told me first to thank you and then to bring this request to you. And so we're, we want to find God's solution to problems. That's step two. And Philippians 4.8 says the solution is, brethren, whatever, think on these things. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think about those things. Don't be thinking about the things you're worrying about. I want you to think about these things. I want you to change the subject. I want you to, as you're giving thanks and remembering that I'm good, I want you to remember what I've given you and that, and that indeed there are many of these things in your life and I want your thoughts and your focus upon that. Now, I want to say what I say over and over. I say it to myself. I've said it to many of you. These are not cliches. These are not just nice sayings. This isn't, you know, a nice book of quotes. This is the living Word of God. This is truth. And I'd like to find somebody who says, you know what, I've done, I've done that. I have done that over and over. I've gone to God and I've prayed and I, I take quite a bit of time thanking Him for all that He's done for me. And then I take a long period of time to meditate and just think about all the things that are noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report and all the other virtuous things. I do that. And then I'm still worried. And what does the text say? If you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Is that true or is that just more words on a page? Can God be trusted? Is He telling us the truth? That when we're tempted to be anxious, if we'll do this, He, in a supernatural way, will override our lack of under... Do you understand what's going to happen tomorrow? No. So I need something that's going to give me peace when I don't have understanding. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it's going on. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm anxious, and God says, give it to me, and I'll give you peace in exchange. I'll take your burdens, and I'll give you peace. And you can rest. You can trust me. Step three, then work on the problem God's way, which Philippians 4 9 says, the things which, let me back up, he actually says, um, yeah, meditate on these, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, go to the Bible. Paul says, the things you heard from me. Well, do we have the things? Do we hear things from Paul and the other apostles? Yeah. Well, then, remember those things that you learned. Meditate on those things, and then God, the God of peace will be with you. So what happens when a child's afraid of the dark, and you go in there to your child, and what do you do? 
I'm with you. I'm here. You hug them. You comfort them. You let them know you're, you're there or you're in the next room or you'll come if they need anything or you reassure them. Are they still a little scared of the dark? The unknown? Don't know what's over there or under the bed? Yeah. But your reassurance gives them a peace that passes their lack of understanding. So I'll conclude with two verses. One you know well, but one a lot of times there's a lot of verses we know well, but we really hadn't even begun to learn them. And we know, Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that, right? You know that, right? All of them. I mean, even all this bad stuff? Yeah, all that too. That's part of the all. All things. But I don't see how. Well, you don't have to see how. You just have to know who. You just have to know who's got it, who's, who's in control of all that that you don't understand. You haven't been put in charge of that. That's not your job. Your job is to trust him, and he's in charge. And he is going to take all the stuff, including all the apparent or things, all the things that appear to be bad, scary, and he's even going to take all of that and turn it into good stuff for you. Isaiah 26. 3 through 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. That is how we deal with worry. So the next time you find yourself worrying, say, I'm sinning. Lord, please forgive me. Now what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to cast my cares on Him. I'm going to let my requests be made known to God. I'm going to remember the things I have learned, and if I need to apply some of them to this situation, I'm going to do that. It's, it's not that you don't do anything. Do the things you know to do. And then I'm going to think about these noble things, and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to let my mind be stayed on him, not on this. Father, we thank you for your word that instructs us, corrects us, directs us, and enables us to grow and mature and indeed to trust you more and more. So thank you for this instruction on worry. Help us, Lord, not to worry, but to uh, indeed do these things that you've instructed us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are going to sing one song. I messed up last Sunday, which I'll probably mess up again this Sunday, but um, I put the wrong title on the wrong song. turned out it's a great song that we sang, just had the wrong title on it. Um, and so we're going to sing the one we were going to sing, The Sands of Time. I'm going to pass it out, go through it, and we will, Lord willing, sing this one on Sunday. Guys, you know.
part of the, the, the music we're getting uh, from uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, uh, they don't, I don't know why they don't have titles on there. And, and the one that I put in the bulletin was another one that didn't have a title, and I just got them mixed up and didn't take the time to read the lyrics. That's always a good thing to do. Um, 